the maglocks made it fast. Another scheduled meeting was about to begin, in theory. Only once a year was there any official activity in the station, and that activity consisted of the colonel arriving, waiting three days for a Cylon counterpart to show up, and then leaving. Not once in the last thirty-nine years had a Cylon representative appeared to meet with him or with any other member of the colonial delegation. The colonel often wondered why they bothered, but he knew the reason. Even if the Cylons did not honor their commitment to the armistice terms, at least the colonials were keeping up their end of the agreement. And how else could they maintain vigilance, since they didn't even know in what direction to look for the Cylon world, or even if it really existed? The colonel came to the massive closed doors of the meeting chamber and pulled them open. The sound reverberated in the room as the doors slammed closed behind him. It was a spare space, devoid of decoration or color, lit along the edges of the floor and by widely spaced ceiling lights. Its very shape seemed to suggest the meeting of adversaries. Long, to permit ample time to view the approaching opposite, and barren, as if to deny any possibility of emotion or warmth. A narrow table stretched most of the way across the center of the room, a single chair on either side. The colonial flag hung at rest on its pole at the left end of the table. There was no flag for the Cylons. The colonel sat down in the chair and snapped open his briefcase. Then he took out a sheaf of papers and began leafing through them, briefing documents on the Cylons as they had last been seen forty years ago. It wasn't long before he caught himself nodding off, and he drew himself up with a deep breath. He was on watch, even if he was here as a diplomat, and even if he passed the three days alone. He glanced at the photos of his wife and son, and then looked over the Cylon briefing sheets once more. After a few minutes more, he closed his eyes again. He jerked awake. Boom. What was that? He jerked up straight. The doors in front of him, at the Cylon end of the hall, were swinging open, splitting to reveal a blaze of light. The sounds of footsteps were soft, but unmistakably metal on tile. Two huge chrome robots marched in through the open doors, then stepped to either side as guards. Cylon centurions, modified but clearly recognizable. The robots raised their arms, which appeared to end with the barrels of built-in weapons. The weapons folded back suddenly, revealing long, talon-like fingers that flipped forward to form something like hands. The colonel stared at them, pulling momentarily at his collar before catching himself. The robot stood utterly impassive. Each had a single crimson eye that slid back and forth across the angular brow, scanning, scanning. Something else was coming. The colonel could hear the footsteps. Another robot, he assumed. The two standing guard did not move an inch. A shadow moved in the light, a figure coming toward him, walking, emerging from the light. It was a blonde woman, dressed in a crimson jacket and skirt, and elegant boots that came nearly to her knees. She was stunningly beautiful. She walked toward him with a precise, confident stride, 
one foot in front of the other. The closer she came, the more unnervingly beautiful she looked. She exuded sensuality. He drew a hoarse breath, only half believing what he was seeing, but what he was thinking was a hostage of some kind. They're releasing a hostage. The woman walked directly to the table, then came around the end without a word. She leaned against the edge of the table directly in front of him. She might as well have been in his lap. His heart began pounding. She leaned forward, bringing her face close to his, and she spoke the first words the colonel had heard since leaving his ship. In a low, sultry voice, she asked, Are you alive? The words went through him like electricity. He stammered, trying to reply, and finally managed, Yes. One hand on his shoulder now, she leaned closer still. He could feel her breath, warm and sweet on his face, so beautiful, so... Before he could complete the thought, she said, just a little more forcefully, Prove it. And then, in an exquisite torture of slow motion, she moved her hand to the back of his neck, drew him to her, and kissed him. His mind went utterly blank, then returned with an awareness only of this moment. In the deep, deep darkness surrounding the station and its docked spacecraft, another ship was moving. It was unmistakably a Cylon base star. Beside it, the colonial ship and the station looked like tiny plastic toys. It was now moving away from the station, gaining a little distance, but not too much, before a single white point of light streaked out from somewhere within it and began to turn in a graceful curve around the extensions of the base star's arms. Then the light whipped back inward toward the little space station. As it struck the station, there was a blinding flash. The colonel felt the deck shudder beneath him as the kisses came more and more urgently. It was almost as though she were trying to draw something out of him, some passion no human had ever touched before. Something terrible was happening, of that he was certain. But his mind was too fogged by her raw, commanding sexuality to focus and comprehend. Another shudder shook the room harder than before, and he tried to break from her kiss. For a fraction of an instant, she smiled, a bit sadly and sweetly, perhaps, and with a probing gaze, murmured, It has begun. He struggled to pull free, but there was an inhuman strength in the hand pulling him back toward her lips. As she breathed in his mouth, he felt all the air rushing from the chamber. If he didn't break free and get to a safe place, he would die. The third and final shudder jarred his senses, but only for an instant, before he, the woman, and the entire space station exploded in a ball of fire and hull metal shrapnel. In the silence of deep space, there was no sound of the explosion. No human still living was close enough to see the flash of the fireball, and no warning signal was ever sent. Its single, simple mission concluded. The Cylon ship quickly moved away and vanished, back into the darkness of the interstellar void. Warship Galactica Thump, 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 thump. The rhythm of the running footsteps echoed in the spaceship's passageway. 
The high trapezoidal corridor, lit by regularly spaced vertical blue-white light tubes along the slanted support beams. The passageway was spotlessly clean, but well-worn with use, and now, as always, full of people. Kara Thrace rounded a corner, jogged past a handful of crewmen coming the other way. Kara was an athletic, short-haired blonde woman in her late twenties, and a fighter pilot. She bore down on a knot of tourists gathered in the passageway ahead. Kara plunged through their midst and never looked back. Then she shuddered a little at the tour guide's voice, telling the people about the history of the Galactica, the sole remaining battle star from the era of the Cylon War. Frack, Kara thought as she left the tourists behind. Wait until the ship is a museum, will you? Such thoughts were very much in Commander William Adama's mind as he walked the ship's corridors. He had a speech to give, and he still hadn't quite worked out what he wanted to say. The Galactica's stocky, craggy-faced commanding officer didn't much like giving speeches under any circumstances. Throughout his long years in the service, he'd managed to avoid that duty whenever possible and he certainly didn't like to dwell on the reasons for this particular speech. Nevertheless, it had to be done, and there was no getting around the fact that as Galactica's final master, he was the one who had to do it. Commander Adama, if I may. It was Captain Kelly, the landing signal officer. He glanced back as Kelly caught up with him. Captain? Kelly appeared to feel awkward now that he had his commander's ear. Well, sir, I just want to say what a pleasure it's been serving with you under your command, sir. Kelly.